0: Hi, everyone. It's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com.au. Um, today, I'm going to talk about neurodivergence and tinnitus. And it's a really, really meaty topic. And I want to say I actually feel emotional. You know, I feel um, there just so many myths and misconceptions about both neurodivergence and tinnitus. So first of all, I want to start by saying I'm a neurodivergent woman. I'm on the autistic spectrum. I've had really bothersome tinnitus and also chronic dizziness and vertigo, which is how I really developed this special interest of looking into neuroplasticity, the neuroscience, the emotional journey, the mental journey, and the spiritual journey for people with these chronic invisible elusive symptoms. I work with both neurotypical people and neurodivergent people and today i want to talk a little bit about what could be some of the challenges that come up and also some of the gifts or strengths that neurodivergent people may have but first and foremost i no longer hear my tinnitus and i no longer experience chronic or um i don't have dizziness or vertigo at all anymore so A lot of the work I do with Rocksteady, and I've written a book called Rocksteady, which is healing tinnitus and vertigo with neuroplasticity. And I have online programs as well, if you're interested. But a quick summary is really my work as a vestibular audiologist and my interest in neuroscience and my background in yoga. I pulled everything together. I connected the dots and looked at how we can really build new neural maps and new sensory maps to create a new sense of normal. So if we backtrack a little bit, tinnitus is those, um, well, they're sounds, they're really healthy sounds actually generated by the body in the body for the body to hear. Some people will hear them come up really briefly, really benignly, and they just disappear again. And for others, the tinnitus sounds stick around and they're really psychologically distressing and worrying. Um. I want to say people that probably have the easiest journey with tinnitus have a really strong sense of self and identity. They're very comfortable in their body. They trust their body. They trust themselves. And they have a sense of friendship and kindness towards themselves. They give their body the benefit of the doubt. So as the tinnitus sounds may arise, which does impact what's happening in our brain, um, they're able to be present with it, be curious with it, and then let it go again. So it becomes like this really transient experience that they would barely even talk about or mention. You know, it doesn't bother them. It doesn't spark any fight, flight, fear, freeze. There's no trauma. There's no attachment. And if that noise were to come again and visit them again, they would have that same no big deal, no big drama attitude Um And they're also able to not be dismissive of it. They don't have to ignore it, push it aside. Um, So there's a really just healthy level of curiosity and engagement with the sound. For people with a neurotypical brain living in a neurotypical world, they are really more likely to have that sense of trust in their body, kindness to self, connection to their in a world in a way that feels normal, strong, healthy because the way they sense and feel the world is mirrored back to them because we're living in a largely neurotypical world. So if we flip it over now to neurodivergent people, often well neurodivergent people have a different way of of processing the world, a different way of constructing the world, understanding the world. And so as we're growing up as babies, infants, preschoolers, children, young adults, We're faced with a lot of really baffling situations and the way we express ourselves and use our body is often wrong to put down, silenced, stifled, you know, you're too sensitive, you're too dramatic, you're too this, you're too that, stop crying, stop screaming, stop flapping, stop shaking, stop cartwheeling, stop handstanding, sit still, will you, right? So there have been millions of micro moments where a neurodivergent person is more likely to have experienced the need to shut down listening to their body. This is where I get emotional, that we've been groomed and trained to not listen to the signs and sensations and healthy signals that are running through our body. And what we're sensing and feeling has been wronged by the outer world. You know, don't feel that, don't say that, that's not appropriate, that's not right. So what we're seeing in the outer world and how other people are responding to light, sound, signals, conversations, situation systems doesn't match how we're experiencing that system or that situation or that sound or that light. So if we think about a neurodivergent person who's had a lifetime of dismissing their inner world, potentially wronging their inner world, trying to not – flow with their authentic impulse and their authentic feelings because they're trying to really act and perform to please other people, which could very well start with their parents. Not always, but there could be a sense of having to perform, mask, pretend, camouflage, compensate. And it's very exhausting. It's very stressful, but it really fractures that internal relationship to one's body that right from that very young age, subconsciously, there's this belief that what I feel isn't right, isn't good. I need to pretend to be something else. I need to pretend that I'm more calm. So there's this like a cumulative effect that we might be we might be doing okay, but we're pretending and making it work through primary school, through those early years. And same goes with high school. We might be doing okay, that we feel uncomfortable, but we can hide it. We can push through, we can carry on. And then we get into our twenties and thirties and, as stresses in life build up, particularly I think as we get to that midlife around the 40s to 50s, where we start to really, I think, be faced with inauthenticity. And another really interesting common trait in in autistic women, and um, perhaps men too, I would say, is this real sense of justice and a keen eye for injustice. And uh, With neurodivergent people, it can be really hard for us to keep our mouth closed and to not act and to not say something when we detect things are not right, they're not fair, there's a lack of justice. And I actually think that some of the loud sounds that the body is generating is this accumulation of stress that the internal world is going, this is just not right. So many things are stacking up and It's just not right. And it could be such a confusing conglomeration of thousands of threads of just not feeling quite right within oneself and within one's relationship to the world and their own body that the body is literally starting to roar and pulse and scream and screech. And we get these tinnitus signals that the body is almost saying, I've had enough. I'm at my maximum. I can't hold any more. I really need to be authentic. I need to express myself. I need to speak up. I can't hold this in any longer. So the journey I take people on is this physical, mental, emotional, spiritual inquiry. It's a self-study of what is going on in my body? What is my relationship to my body? You know, do I trust my body? How do I talk to myself? You know, just really getting very deeply curious about what is going on in my body. And yes, of course, this involves our nervous system, our arousal states, our internal sensations, our interoception, how we're aware of the physiological and sensory changes within one's body and people who are neurodivergent on the spectrum tend to be highly sensitive where we're, we're high detail people collecting all sorts of millions of data points of, of the world and our body is taking in all of this sensory input with um it's, it's like high level high detail processing so like for me i know when i go to get acupuncture or something which i i sort of did by accident i didn't know what I was booking in for, to be honest. But, you know, they're these tiny, tiny, tiny little pinpricks. But for me, it would make me jump. You know, there was just this really heightened responsiveness. And same can go uh, for neurodivergent people with changing lights, lighting, and um, sounds in the environment that are not necessarily super loud or obnoxious. They could be really quite For other people, pleasant sounds or sounds they would ignore, but a neurodivergent person might sort of be going, oh, that doesn't fit in. What's that sound all about? And their brain will pick up on all of these odd um, details in the environment. So there's a lot of balls, mentally speaking, that a neurodivergent person is juggling We've got the internal conflict potentially of having a fracture in the trust between ourselves and our own body because we've been trained to pretend and mask in order to fit in and to essentially not be authentic to who we are. And at some level, we've probably been told it's not okay to feel what you feel. You need to do it this way. So there's this huge severance, which is repairable, by the way. And I really want you to come away from this feeling that there is hope and Everything we experience um, really helps us come up against our own boundaries and edges and learn who we deeply are. And so every time we come up against these angering and injustices, you know, that we're faced with throughout life, it really gives an opportunity for us to soften, to question, to come within, to develop compassion, to listen to the parts of us screaming and yearning to be held and heard. And I think for my vertigo and tinnitus clients in my Rock City community, a lot of people who really go through these incredible transformations, they have this level of, I think, spiritual reconnection back into se- into oneself. It's a very deeply healing remembering of all the different fragments of who we are. And people will often say, "Gosh, I'm so grateful for the tinnitus because it really was that obnoxious force." that stopped me looking outside of myself and helped me come back in to direct that curiosity and loving kindness inwards to figure out who I really am. I want to say some of the people who have the most difficult tinnitus recoveries could be, and this is all speculation, but could be adults who are neurodivergent, but they don't know. So it's an unrecognized identity. And why I say that's added difficulty is that, and I can speak for myself here, because I had, I just found out I was neurodivergent recently, is when we don't understand, we actually have a a brain that is structured in a different way. By default, we'll be trying to keep up with neurotypical people. So we'll be comparing ourselves in our pace of life and our choices to our peers. And I think there can be an element of everyone's different and everyone's unique, and you know, trust yourself. But I could, for myself, and especially when um, neurodivergent people experience change, we can find change really overwhelming, overstimulating, and it, it it takes a lot more energy for us to adapt to change. So I noticed that when I had children and became a mother, there's this enormous change to my rhythm, to my whole family life, to my sleep, to my social engagements, and I handled it really beautifully. It was a very gentle transition for me, but there was a black cloud over my shoulder sort of questioning like, you know, how long until I'll be able to keep up with my peers and, you know, have a day at the beach with the kids or just just keep up with the sort of way they're doing activities with their kids, whereas I just felt like I wanted to stay home, have really quiet days, lots of sandpit play and, you know, go to the beach for half an hour or 45 minutes and come home again, like just this very quiet bubble. And if I think about the universe's overarching plan for a neurodivergent mother, I could see that the the guidance would be to take it really slowly, build these new neural networks of how you engage with your children, how you engage with yourself, how you engage with you know the playgrounds, the new environments, the new people to really drip feed that data in slowly so the body can slowly integrate it and build all those new maps. For neurotypical people, they don't have that issue of building all these new data stores because they have the neural clipping and they have that more efficient way of building information quickly. Um now some of the advantages I did, I should just check if I finished what I was saying there, but yeah. So tinnitus I think can come and go for neurodivergent people when we're exposed to lots of change. Um, and so we need to really know ourselves and be aware of ourselves in how to nurture our particular brain and body. Cause we are all so very different. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to actually sort of flip that around. So I spoke about how some neurotypical people with a great relationship to their body could really fly through tinnitus really quickly, smoothly, and it's a no big deal thing for them. There's the equivalent for neurodivergent people too. When you have a neurodivergent person who deeply understands their brain and body, they know how to respect their sensory system. They know how to pace themselves. They know how to rest their executive um, areas of the brain, and they know how to stimulate themselves and release excess energy they really deeply understand how information comes in how it's constructed and how they move that creative energy output out of their body they will also have an easy breezy time with tinnitus because they understand how information is moving through their body and they will also have a much better understanding of how they have access to a level of control when it comes to their attention and how they place their attention on certain sensory objects in the world. And again, these are all skills that I I, I work on and teach with people in the Rocksteady program. These are all learnable skills. And neurodivergent people have this incredible like set shifting capacity in the brain. So they can really deeply focus on things they're interested in. And lots of neurodivergent people are obviously deeply interested in their health and their bodies and that can be a real strength when it comes from a place of kindness curiosity and compassion so the flip side of that is so it would be very difficult to be a neurodivergent person who doesn't know they're neurodivergent and they're trying to be neurotypical and they're really just in this place of deep conflict that they're not treating their body and their brain the way it needs to be treated. They're trying to be neurotypical, they're trying to be like other people and it is honestly a dead end because we have a different brain structure, a different neurotype. So I think that's when some people get locked in chronic symptom cycles forever and the body's going, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And the person's going, I'm eating well, I'm sleeping well, my diet's great, I do yoga, what's wrong with me? And they're constantly looking for that next thing. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And um, so that's really challenging and tricky. But it's repairable and reversible once we've got this information about ourselves to get the best out of the brain we're born with and the body we're born with and all of that beautiful neural connectivity. Once we understand how that works for ourselves, we can really beautifully live a full life. You know, I have no symptoms. I'm an autistic woman with no medical symptoms. And I think people often think autism is associated with some kind of medical disorder. It's not. If you understand yourself and your body and your brain, you can really thrive and live in a, a beautiful, full, purposeful life. Um and you know what I was saying about neurodivergent people having a strong sense of justice. The way we construct the world and view the world, we don't buy into social assumptions and social norms and things that neurotypical people absorb like osmo- osmosis, that's like this invisible rule book that they they just get and we don't get. So we're collecting all this data around the world. We're making sense of it all literally in micro bite-sized pieces. And the way neurotypical people approach their working life, their career, their goals, their agendas, you know, what lights them up, it really can be baffling for us because we don't, we're like, wow, that takes so much energy. Why would you want to do that? Or um, a lot of social systems and structures that are exploiting vulnerable people or ex- exploiting vulnerable flora and fauna species. Uh, neurodivergent people will be very sensitive to that and will want to take action and speak up. And I think there are so many ways in the modern day world where an, a neurodivergent person can just feel like there's there's no one listening. Even if I speak up, I'm told I'm crazy or I'm too sensitive. And I think the body just keeps holding all of this not quite rightness that, you know, why are we treating the whales that way? Why would we put be putting um, seismic blasting for an oil company in the middle of a right southern right whale breeding zone in the ocean. You know, it's like why can't we caretake for these vulnerable creatures, these ancient beauties? And autistic people are very um, tend to be. Obviously, it's a spectrum, and everyone's different. But they they tend to not see hierarchies and status. They really see humans as humans, and there's this vast interconnectedness that makes sense. And many autistic people I've just learned also really relate to Indigenous ways of life and seasonal living, uh, which is slower, which is much more in tune with the environment. And that's what makes our bodies feel settled and relaxed and safe, whereas being in this sort of like 24-7 bright lights, artificial lighting, long working hours, long commuting, these are all assaults to our sensory system that again, accumulate the stresses and the tension and the body has to get rid of it somewhere, which is this symptomatic for some people will be tinnitus or vertigo or eczema or digestive issues or all of the above. So for neurodivergent people, I think it's important to notice what your values are and what is rubbing up against you. Where are these injustices really poking you And in what ways can you write about it, speak about it, find people to talk to about it so you can move it through your system so you don't feel that you're having to suppress and squash all of your beautiful ideas and all of your caring, compassionate um, advocacy for yourself, for others, for the wider world. So I think finding a place to use your voice and use your creative energy um, is all part of this, you know, and it's interesting that people will say the tinnitus really taught me so much about myself and really brought me back to my voice and my creative flow and my creative expression. And that is a beautiful thing. Um, so last point I wanted to talk about is for neurodivergent people who know they're neurodivergent, but have not had neurodivergent affirming supports. In other words, they are not taught how to move their energy, how to use that flapping and cartwheeling and spinning and rocking. They haven't been celebrated and supported in their special interest and gifts. Maybe they were bullied for whatever their special interest was so they shut it down, which is so taxing on the brain because following a special interest brings vitality and vibrancy and energy into the system. It's like fuel for the car. So to have that squashed down is is an absolute tragedy in my opinion some neurodivergent people will have gone through cruel therapies that actually squash them and try and shape them and try and make them be neurotypical. So they are actually trained to not listen to their body, to not trust their body. And they have these authoritarian figures, whether it be school teachers, parents, or therapists who are telling them how to use their body, how to be in their body. And their entire life becomes this tragic performance They are likely to have a very difficult time with tinnitus because of that huge severance and really I want to call it abuse to be treated that way by parents, teachers, or therapists is just beyond me. And I get very emotional when I hear about it. Um, So for those of you listening, some of you might hear tinnitus come and go on few, it is an easy breezy kind of curiosity, it's not a big, not a big drama. For others of you, you might have done the deep dive. It was psychologically very distressing. It kept you up at night, but you did. You maybe you've tried the Rocksteady program, and you, you're in that process of coming back to your authenticity, understanding your brain and body, and and things are getting easier and lighter. And it's that that slow progress of building new neural pathways, forming new neural habits, and above all, really healing that relationship we have to ourselves. Um. I had another thought pop into my mind that's just left again. Let's see if it comes back. Um, hmm. Yeah. So I've, I've mentioned this in one of my other podcasts on neurodivergence, but for other neurodivergent people, so not speaking just on behalf of myself, but we can be so enlivened and passionate and sort of furious, like the really intense emotions about, let's say, political injustices or economic vulnerability, um, exploitation, corruption, and and on any level, you know, a micro level um, such as, you know, I don't know, someone littering the local playground or um, damage to Indigenous plants or not listening to our local Indigenous traditional custodians of the land all the way up to to huge damage and abuse towards the earth itself and our our nourishing earth mother you know we can become so fiery whereas neurotypical people might go yeah that's pretty sad that's pretty hard but they can just move on they don't embody that anger or this It's like they're numb to the bigness of it, whereas neurodivergent people will be like, no, we have to say something. We have to act. We have to do something. It's like we can't sleep at night. We can't eat. We have to actually find our peace with it or do something. It's like there's this really deep, intense call to to contribute, to be on purpose, to make the world a better place, to take care of each other, you know, just to operate under the simplicity of respect, actually respecting each other as human beings, respecting each other as living beings on the planet, um, flora and fauna, and respect being in relationship with this reciprocity, this interconnectedness of all living things, our biodiversity, that is what sustains us. And... The reason I bring that up is I think for some neurodivergent people, when we have things like tinnitus and it's it, there's just a lot going on that confuses us and why, why am I so stressed out? Why can't I sleep? You know, what's wrong with me? It could be these pieces that there's like deep injustices that you're actually really peeved about and you don't know where to put that energy and your neurotypical friends and peers just kind of shrug it off like, hmm, you know, yeah, what, whatever. So what do we do about that? I want to say, I think I'm, I'm a big fan of like journaling or voice recordings or just anything that you can personally do in your own time to get it out and move it and just have that sense of honesty with yourself. Um, But also where possible, I think find other like-minded neurodivergent people that are equally passionate and they can hold that space for you and they can go deep and talk about it. And help you potentially take those steps towards any kind of action that help your body feel that you're contributing, that you're not stuck at this dead end. And you might think that's an interesting thing to put in a podcast on tinnitus. But honestly, I've been doing this work for a long time. I work online. I have a global community. I work with men and women. I work with neurodivergent people and neurotypical people, all ages across many different diagnoses. And I think this is what it all comes down to. It's about really honoring what are the messages of my body inviting me to listen to? What are the invisible threads and packages that I'm possibly pushing aside and not being really honest about? Um, You know, in some ways you could say the tinnitus is like the smoke, but what we really want to do is look at what's on fire. Rather than focus on the tinnitus, what's really going underneath in the machinations of my body in this invisible digestion process of how am I digesting life? How am I metabolizing my life experiences? And how is all of this invisible mental, emotional, spiritual data moving through my body and coming out of me as a healthy, creative expression, which is my gift back to the world? And this is the process again and again that I am witnessing and seeing in people who really reclaim that wholeness, learn to love their brain, love their body, and have a deep sense of acceptance and surrender for who they are and for how they are. So I hope this has been useful. Um, I'd love to hear your comments and questions. I think these conversations are important for everyone, whether you're neurodivergent or neurotypical. And I think to a certain extent, neurotypical people share that similar journey of self-inquiry. But for neurodivergent people, we're just far more sensitive. We're far more attuned and aware of what's going on. So for us, it happens more aggressively, more quickly. We may have more triggers and sort of um, a lot more awareness of the complexity of our inner world. Whereas I think neurotypical people, they they can sustain a lot more accumulation and a lot more stress and tension, and they can sit back and look at systems that might be very um, unfair, and they can look at injustices and perhaps sit with it and be with it with less physical discomfort, where it actually really physically moves our body to action. And if we don't have anywhere to express that or move that, it can certainly scream at us through symptoms within the body. So it's just something to really think about and digest because I believe we're all here for a reason. I believe every single human being is gifted. Um, doesn't matter what your neurotype is and I think it's really important that when the body is screaming at us, we're getting closer to that purpose and we're getting closer to that inquiry and it's, it's a potent gift to offer ourselves that time to pause and reflect and go on that inner journey. If you want to be with a supportive community, by all means, visit seekingbalance.com.au, join the Rocksteady community. We have monthly live calls where we get together as a peer group from people all over the world. We have monthly grief and soul-tending circles where we practice being authentic and vulnerable and witnessing each other, and we practice digesting and moving through the pains and sorrows of life, which is so important for this digestive process and for understanding our sensory symptoms and sensations that are moving through us it's a really really beautiful supportive group so if this is speaking to you um come and join us come and meet us so I'm Joey Remini and it's a bye for now